0: Welcome to Group Talk, four shows, one podcast from the Small Group Network, focusing on topics relevant to small group ministries. Whether you're in a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you're a volunteer or staff, we want to support, encourage, and equip you to lead well. So relax, listen, and enjoy Leadership Journey with Bill Search.
1: Hey, this is Bill Search, and it is a real privilege to have you join me today. This is the Leadership Journey, and leadership is a journey, isn't it? Just about the time you think you have it figured out, something new happens, a new variable, a global pandemic, something happens. And you have to rethink how you do what you do. And one of the conversations that I'm having with friends and new friends all over the country is regarding the challenges that COVID has brought to small groups. And when, when things like this happen, um, I, you know, several years ago, many of us were doing ministry in a global financial meltdown and trying to figure out how to make things work well. When we had to do more with less financial, there's always some challenge. There's always something going on. But, w- but one of the things that I do when the going gets tough is I sort of revisit some things. I revisit the foundation. I go backwards. I think about some of the things on which all of this is built and, uh, years and years and years ago, I was introduced to some ideas that were actually presented back in 1965 in a paper written by Bruce Tuckman, who was a professor at the Ohio State University, as my friends who are big Buckeye fans like to say. And Tuckman in 1965, presented a paper. In fact, if you Google Bruce Tuckman, you'll find his paper written in 1965. And I'm about to say a few words here. And most of you will have heard these terms and you will not know that they came out of Ohio State University from a professor in 1965. These are not church words, but many of us who have lived and breathed the world of small groups for a number of years, we have become so acquainted with these terms. We thought uh, they were th- that they were created by uh, some great small group expert, like our friend Steve Gladen or Bill Donahue, or if you go back far enough, uh, you know maybe Carl George or someone like that. Well, no, 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 no. It was Tuckman that came up with these, and he he identified in 1965 after studying group dynamics, he discovered, or I should say, described the phenomena that was known as forming, storming, norming, and performing. He said that if a typical group of people get together and they are commissioned to a task and they're going to get together regularly, the first stage is the group has to form. They have to figure each other out. They have to come together and agree upon terms of how they're going to relate to each other. And then they're going to Storm whatever it is. They're going to take the world by storm. They're going to go after Some big goal together now in world of small groups. It might be a mission. It might be a it might be a a, a Spiritual growth initiative. It might even be community development, but they're going to storm that shoulder to shoulder and then the next thing he said is that the norms happen, the norming. That is, we normalize relations. We get used to each other. The things that maybe used to irritate one another don't anymore. Or if they do, we've kind of grown accustomed to them and we kind of laugh them off now. And then, then eventually, when the group is clicking on all cylinders, there's this performing. They, they are accomplishing what they set out to do. And uh, this goes on for like 12 years of Tuckman's work, and he's ensconced as a chair at a a school within Ohio State University. And in 1977, he added one. He recognized that groups, good, healthy groups over time disband. And so the fifth one he added was adjourning because they have to rhyme with uh, forming, storming, norming, performing, adjourning, although we probably don't say adjourning on its own, but adjourning. But at least when you kind of put the five as a litany together, it kind of rhymes. And so those five, for those of us who played around in the world of small groups for any length of time, particularly in English, we're kind of used to these as kind of ways of saying, yeah, yeah, normal, healthy group. It forms and it it goes after something together and then it creates norms. And so why is this relevant? Why am I even bringing this up? Well, let me explain why this is important, why when I looked back at this and when I was studying this again and reminding myself of these foundational principles, here's what I figured out. I figured out this explains why so many of us are having a tough time in groups right now. Because forming is made more difficult because of the context. Normally we can form by getting half a dozen people or more together and they could circle up literally in one space and they can look at each other and they can, they can kind of figure things out and they can talk and relate naturally. But if you've been on zoom for any length of time, it's intense. It's weird. It it doesn't feel right to hardly anybody. And storming is all the harder. So to go after something together online, it's just more Difficult. It is heavier lifting. Now, I know what you might be thinking. You might be thinking, yeah, but why are my existing groups struggling so much? And granted, some groups get it. I mean, some groups this has been easy for, but most groups this has been tricky. So why is it tricky for those groups? And I I think I stumbled upon something using Tuckman's research here. I think that existing groups, if they have created norms together, right? They're norming together. Well, all the norms went out the window in the spring of last year, of this year, I should say, that, that just a handful of months ago, all the norms were, I meet at this house. We do this together on this particular night. We have my favorite two liter of diet Coke and some brownies laid out. And I really enjoy that once a week I look forward to hugging my friends and shaking some hands and just being in the physical presence of other people. It's just normal. in the way that we relate to one another in the circle, we talk over each other, but we're good enough friends now that that's okay. And all of those norms have gone out the window. Every group has gone back to forming it's like a hard reset of everything. It's like every relationship started over again. And so that, that leads me to a question. And I know you thought it too. What do we do? I mean, really, what do we do? I, I, I mean it, I mean, what do we do? Now there's, there's a variety of options. There's the option of just being dishonest, and that happens. I mean, the first person we always lie to is ourselves, but sometimes we just straight up our shading of the truth with other people. Oh, everything's great. And especially thanks to social media, we take our pictures, you know, with the camera held above our heads, sucked in a little bit, shoulders back. We're posturing always. And if you don't think you do it, you're either the most integrity, honest person, or you are still lying to yourself. Because some people can't face the reality that this has been a tough season. And so, granted, you might be listening to this and go, actually, we've seen an incredible amount of growth in our small group ministry. And by all means, share that amongst all of us doing this work. Because you have stumbled upon something, and we need to know it. But assuming that you're like the rest of us, and it has had challenges to it, the other option is to face it, and as I mentioned earlier on, is to kind of go back to the foundational stuff. Recently, uh, I got an email uh, from a new friend, and they uh, they said, "What do I do? I got people who don't want to get together because they're afraid of the pandemic, uh, and they also, if they have to wear masks when they get together, they don't they don't want to wear masks, and then at the same time, they they're tired of the online stuff, and and so they don't want to do Zoom." And, and so I, I chuckled when I got the email because I thought, okay, what do I do? People don't want to get together and they don't want to not get together. I'm like, well, there's nothing you can do. And I was talking about this with my wife and Karen, my wife is a very wise woman. And, you know, she just reminded me that you go back to the basics, that as we, as we discussed what we are called to do in particular, let me speak into what we as leaders are called to do for and with. Our leaders we have to remember that groups are the vehicle of helping people grow as followers of Christ but they are the vehicle the goal is maturity in Christ the goal isn't a small group the goal is a small group that helps people mature in Christ likeness at least that's what Paul says to the Corinthians is that the goal is to grow up in the faith and so so what did i mention paul what did paul do let's just look at some of the patterns of his life and i trust that you've studied paul if you haven't you should you read the book of acts and you can get the narrative of paul if you read some of his letters you get the heartbeat of paul so i'd encourage you you got you got a pandemic you're not going anywhere probably so double down on your bible reading but when i look at paul when paul was put in a position where he was inhibited from going about his normal way of operating because he was arrested and then incarcerated and i'm not talking about the short little stints in jail i'm talking about the long one a couple of years in judea Caesarea. um well you know i'm trying to say uh cesare- i can't say the word you say it with me good job thank you so in judea he's in jail for a couple of years and then he ends up being um uh, on a boat and he ends up in Rome. And we're not exactly sure how long he's in the Roman imprisonment, but what we do know is while he's in prison, he writes. And so, um, so we can look at Paul and from what he wrote and then what we see in him, I just want to highlight four things that we can do in this season right now as leaders and for leaders. Okay. So if you're taking notes, take notes. If you're not taking notes, just make mental notes of these things. They're not that complicated, but we see it in the life of Paul. So what can we do when we can't do our normal deal? Well, the first thing Paul does is he prays. In fact, if you read Paul's letters, it seems like he's a man of constant prayer. There are people who pray, and then there are people of prayer. He seems to be a praying person, a person of prayer, not a person who does prayer as a a, as an event, as a discipline. It's just the way that he goes about his his way of interacting with God. And so regardless of the set of circumstances, we can pray. And if your prayer life has gotten boring, mix it up. There's all kinds of ways to pray. Lately, personally, I have been praying through some of the creeds. Now, I, I've actually ordained in a, a, denom- a denomination that doesn't do creeds. Nothing against creeds. It's just not what we do. But I have gone through and looked back at some of the old creeds, and I'm using those as prayerful meditations and reflections as a way of connecting both with historic church, as well as with the richness of meaning in those documents. And so Paul prayed, we can pray. Then he studied. There's this part in second Timothy where he says, Hey, um, you know, he's imprisoned and this time it's for good this time he's not getting out period. And so he says, Hey, bring me a robe and bring me the scrolls. And what it would appear is the scrolls would be the, the biblical documents. And so it would appear that here's Paul incarcerated and he's gone, you know, I need a robe to keep warm because it's cold in the prison here. But what I really want is God's word. I had a lot of free time, I want to get to know it better. I want to study it. Here's a guy who's on the precipice of meeting God face to face. Faith will become sight and very soon. And what does Paul do? Paul says, I want to know the word. I want to study this. I remember uh, kind of thinking, I don't know if you have a bucket list, but, you know, if the doctor said you got one year left, what would you do? Now, if there wasn't a pandemic going on, I've already thought I'd like to go to the Holy Land. I'd like to see on this earth where Christ did his ministry before I meet him so that I have even fresher questions for God Almighty. You you probably have your own list of things, but whatever that list is, increasing your knowledge and understanding of God's word is something that we can do as leaders right now. I signed up for a a course on this uh, new platform I just became familiar with during this year called Udemy. It's a U, the letter U, Demi, like Academy, only it's Udemy. And there's a whole bunch of N.T. Wright uh, kind of lectures, I guess, in his like messy office. He's just given lectures on different Pauline epistles and it's so good. It's not entertaining. He doesn't do any cartwheels. He doesn't wear skinny jeans. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't prance around a platform. He just sits there in his messy office and hammers away at some really, really solid content. And I've learned so much from these things. And there's a whole bunch of them. And that's just one platform. There's all kinds of stuff on YouTube. But you you can study God's word as a leader right now in ways that otherwise you'd be maybe more busy. And so some of the clutter of life has dissipated in all of this. Let's consider that a gift from God. What else did Paul do? So he prayed, he studied, he wrote. He wrote letters. We call them the prison epistles. And we thank God for his imprisonment, because without his imprisonment, we wouldn't have the letters. That gave him time. Otherwise, he's out there doing ministry, talking, preaching, chatting, evangelizing. It's hard for busy people to sit down and write. But he wrote. And this is a good time for us to write, handwrite an old letter, uh, it becomes an old letter later, of course, handwrite a letter, like old style is what I meant. But it, you could also do text. You could also do phone calls. You could also do emails. Now, I made it a goal to, to regularly call my leaders personally, just call them. And some of the leaders, it's just a quick, hey, how you doing? And it's a very quick, doing fine, got to go. And some of the leaders, we will talk for over an hour. And where else am I going to go? And so, investing of yourself in the person, the individual in that community. When we look at Paul, he prayed, he studied, and he wrote. And when he wrote to the Philippians, he wrote about joy. And when he wrote to the Corinthians, well, he did some challenges to those Corinthians. Some of those people were a little bit naughty. And so, he knew his people enough that when he was addressing them, he was investing his heart. And he was investing God's word in those people. And so that's something we can do when we write, when we invest in our leaders in that way, phone calls or whatever. Always start with two kind of big ideas. One is how are you doing? And question or part number two is here's what we're here to talk about. Here's why I want a little bit of your attention and feed them something from the Lord. Don't just feed them something that's a deep thought from you or a quotable quote or a tweetable tweet. Give them something of substance. People are hungry. And then finally, just an observation from Paul. And this is, uh, this is in, uh, his letter to the Philippians. He, he talks about how the gospel is, is actually growing in the Praetorian guard. That's the guard of Caesar. And, uh, And there's this beautiful image you can imagine that under house arrest, which is probably what he was during the Philippians period, he probably wasn't in a prison prison, but he was probably under house arrest, that, that he would have been on the electronic tether of the first century. And the electronic tether of the first century was you were shackled literally to a Roman soldier, probably some Roman soldier that maybe had been wounded in combat, or maybe some uh, veteran old Roman soldier that had earned the right to sit around the campfire instead of going out into battle. And so Paul is shackled to a guy. Can you imagine? I've tried to imagine what that must have been like for that poor guy. That guy didn't stand a chance. Because even if he punched Paul or pushed Paul or threatened Paul, at some point, Paul just kind of kept taking the beating and then kept sharing the love of Jesus. And at some point, that guy probably thought, you know what, if I just go with it, if I just nod approvingly, maybe he will shut his mouth. And of course, at some point, light bulbs click on the Holy Spirit, enters Roman soldiers, Praetorian guard, and the gospel message spreads amongst Caesar's like secret service. I mean, it's really an astonishing thing. Now, Odds are you're not going to be handcuffed to a member of the Secret Service. If it is, that's is, you've probably done something wrong and deserved it. I don't mean it that way. I mean, so what was Paul doing? He was ministering to who was available. He was ministering to whoever was beside him. He was ministering to the person that God had put across his path. And that's something we can do. There are people that God has put in our, pl- in our path during this season that ordinarily may not be in our path. There might be people... Maybe it's fellow staff members. Maybe it's a a key leader. Maybe it's a person that was never on your radar as a leader, but you just keep pumping into them. You just have more time with them. Maybe there's a neighbor there. Maybe there's some relationship that wasn't much of a relationship before, but suddenly has emerged. And now it is in front of you. So take a cue from Paul minister to those close at hand. So, We don't know. We don't know how long this is going to go on. It's not going to be quick. But what we do know from studying the history of the world is that God does incredible stuff when things are most challenging, that, that people tune in in a different kind of way. They become hungry, thirsty for that which sustains. And so as leaders, investing in other leaders on this leadership journey, let me encourage you to take a cue from Paul. Pray, study God's word, write to those God has called you to lead and minister to the person that is in that close proximity. I think if we do that, I think think if we do that, I really genuinely think that if we do that, we're going to see some fruit. Not just on the other side of this. I think we're going to see some fruit right now. I do. I do. Well, once again, thank you so much for giving a little bit of your time. So grateful that you tuned in. And as always, I want to hear from you. You can email me. You can find me very easily on social media. DM me. You can also put a comment on the post on the Facebook group and share your thoughts. I'm enriched by that, and it helps me better understand what would be most helpful to us as leaders. And so uh, thank you, and may God bless you on this leadership journey.
0: Hey, Small Group Network family, Jason Banzoff here, Group Talk Producer and Small Group Network Creative Arts Director. Thank you so much to Bill Search for that great episode, and thank you for tuning in to Leadership Journey. Now before we go, we wanna talk about something new and exciting. We are excited to announce our brand new online training course, Kids Small Groups Intentional Discipleship Pathway. Learn the key foundations to launch and lead dynamic kids small groups at your church. This course features five high-definition video sessions, downloadable documents, and lesson discussion questions. Learn more by watching the free course introduction and enroll today at smallgroupnetwork.com forward slash KSG. Again, that's smallgroupnetwork.com forward slash KSG. And thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and get new episodes downloaded automatically.